We are in our series called Take Heart, Strengthen Yourself in the Lord. And we're taking a couple weeks to just talk about how do we find strength in this life? How do we deal with difficult situations and circumstances when trials come against us? And what we're talking about is not like a one-time event, rather it's a way of life. It's really a lifestyle, learning to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And we started last week and we said that it's really about winning the battle in the heart. John 16, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart or strengthen yourself in me for I have overcome the world. In other words, Jesus says, I've already won all the victory out there. What I want is for you to give me authority so we can win the victory, the battle in here. That if you win the victory in here, you win the battle in here, you'll walk in victory out there. You lose the battle in your heart, you'll always walk in defeat out there. That the abundant life in Jesus doesn't go from out there into here, it goes from in here to out there. It's not your circumstances, it's what's in your heart that determines whether or not you have the abundant life in Jesus. So, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. It's where we were last week. 1 Samuel chapter 30, I want to pick up where we left off because there's something really important here that I want to get to, and then we're going to get into the message today. Uh, Let me reset the stage of the story for you so we're all on the same page. Here you have David, a man after God's own heart, David, the anointed king of Israel, and I believe that here in 1 Samuel chapter 30, this is one of David's hardest days in his entire life. I mean, David had lived a tough life. You think you got a tough life? David had a tough life. He knows what that feels like. He was rejected by his family. He was rejected by Saul, the current king of Israel, his boss. He was rejected by his own nation. He was even rejected by his enemies. That David went and lived with the Philistines, the enemies of the people of God. One day the Philistines go to fight the Israelites. David lines up to fight with the the Philistines against the Israelites. And the Philistines look at him. They're like, man, we're afraid you're going to turn on us in battle. So they send him home. You know it's a bad day when you're even rejected by your enemies fighting against their enemies. And while David was out with the Philistines headed back home, the Amalekites, another enemy, comes in, raids their village, burns everything to the ground, plunders everything, takes all the women and children. And as David and his men get back to the town, smoke is still rising from everything that's burned to the ground. They're all broken. They're all distraught. And it says David's men picked up stones and talked of stoning David. These were 600 mighty men. Like this would be like your best friend in life picks up a stone and wants to stone you. They've won victories together, defeated giants together, done great things for God together. And here in this moment, David is rejected, he's alone, he's abandoned, and he has a choice to make. Is he going to strengthen himself in the Lord, or is he going to weaken himself in his circumstances? And what David chooses to do in verse 6, it says, he strengthened himself in the Lord. He rallies his men together. They go after the Amalekites. Pick it up with me in verse 17. It says, David fought, David and his men fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day. And none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and the herds and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock saying, this is David's plunder. 
In other words, in the worst moment of one of the worst moments of David's entire life, he chooses to strengthen himself in the Lord. He rallies his men together. They go after the Amalekites. They get back all of their stuff, all of their belongings, all of their families. And then they plunder the Amalekites and get a whole bunch of treasure that they didn't have in the first place. And what we learn from David in this moment is that David's private victory resulted in a public blessing for his men. David's private victory, that he won the battle in the heart, strengthened himself in the Lord, it resulted in a public blessing for his men. You see, had David never won the victory in here, his men would have never got their families back. They would have never got their treasure. They would have never got extra plunder. In fact, if David had not strengthened himself in the Lord, but had looked at the circumstances, weakened himself, given up, whatever, you know what would have happened? He would have been stoned. His men had stones in their hands. They're ready to go, man. But David strengthens himself in the Lord. And it's his private victory that results in a public blessing for his men. And the same is true for you and me. When you win a private victory, it will always release a public blessing into the lives of the people around you. We are way more interconnected and interdependent than we ever think. And you'll see it all over the Bible. I mean, Moses wins a private victory when God asks him to go confront Pharaoh. He strengthens himself in the Lord instead of weakening himself in the circumstances, and it releases a public blessing. All of the Israelites get set free from 400 years of slavery. How about Paul and Silas? One day they're beaten and persecuted, thrown in jail, uh, no cause against them, and it's midnight, and it says at midnight while they were worshiping and praying. I'm just telling you, you throw me in jail for no reason at midnight, I'm not going to be worshiping. I'll be saying, I want my mama. Right? But in that moment, they won a private victory. They strengthened themselves in the Lord. And it says God brought an earthquake and shook open the jail cells of everyone in the jail, not just Paul and Silas. Public blessing is released. How about Jesus? When he's on his way to the cross, he says, Father, what should I say? Save me from this hour? No, it was for this very hour that I've come. And Jesus strengthens himself in the Lord. He wins a private victory and it releases a public blessing that you now have the opportunity for eternal life and salvation in him. You see, your private victory will always release a public blessing. Listen, I can tell you a story of a family in our church that about six years ago, there was some tough stuff happening around here. There were some, some things they didn't necessarily agree with. And it was one of those seasons where some of their friends were leaving the church and, and they had a decision to make. Are they going to weaken themselves in the circumstances or strengthen themselves in the Lord? And they wrestled through it, and they walked through this stuff. And, and in the end of the day, they chose to strengthen themselves in the Lord. They won a private victory. And in that moment, they weren't thinking about a public blessing that was going to be released. They were just trying to strengthen themselves in the Lord. But today, I can tell you, six years later, the public blessing that was released was in the lives of their kids because today their kids are 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 thriving and flourishing and leading worship every single week for hundreds and hundreds of hub students. They're some of the greatest next-gen leaders that we have rising up right now, and I believe it's all directly a result because their parents won a private victory years ago. That's how God works. So you have to ask yourself the question, how much will my victory bless other people? And you might say, well, sure, they could have left the church and done that somewhere else. Maybe, but I'll tell you what, I don't see very many families that that happens to. I see a whole lot of people that weaken themselves in the circumstances. Six years go by and they say, what happened to my kids? I don't understand why they're not interested in the things of God. There's something that happens when you win a private victory, whatever it looks like, that releases a public blessing in the lives of the people around you. Dad, you win the private victory over your anger, you just released a public blessing into your lives of your kids. 
If you're here and you're a woman and you're struggling with depression, anxiety, fear, you win that private victory, you'll release a public blessing into the lives of the people around you. You're a student and you win a private victory over temptation, you're releasing a blessing in the lives of the students around you. You're a spouse and you win a private victory, you just released a blessing into the life of your spouse, even if your spouse is the one you're annoyed at. Right? I mean, David, he wins a private victory. Who gets blessed? The men with stones in their hands. That's how God tends to work. It's the economy of the kingdom of God. And so my question for you is, what battle are you fighting today? Because it's sure a whole lot bigger than you. And if you win that victory and you strengthen yourself in the Lord, you will release a public blessing in the lives of the people around you. We don't know how it works. You don't calculate it. You don't get to decide what it is. It's just a wave that starts to roll and it blesses people because you chose to strengthen yourself in the Lord. And if you're here and maybe in the past you lost one of those battles, okay, draw a new line in the sand today. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he can turn all things together for the good for those who love him. You strengthen yourself in the Lord today, and he'll start releasing that public blessing in the lives of the people around you today. That's how it works, okay? Your private victory will result in a public blessing that's so important in this chapter that I didn't want to skip over it as we start moving forward. You see, because the question that I realize all of you are really wanting to know is the how, right? David strengthened himself in the Lord, and we want to know how. And I told you last week that how you strengthen yourself isn't nearly as important as who you strengthen yourself in, that your how can very quickly become your who. The how can be the thing that you worship and pursue and chase after when he's the one we're supposed to chase after and pursue and love. And so as we start to step into this question of how, you you look at the scripture here with the story of David, and really it's just one little verse. David strengthened himself in the Lord. That's really all it says. And so if we want to know how he did it, We have to look at the totality of David's life. We have to read through the scriptures and look at how he lived in all kinds of other situations. And here's what I really believe. I think in this moment, David did the absolute hardest thing there is to do. I think David gave thanks in the midst of difficult circumstances. If you say, how do I strengthen myself in the Lord? How did David do it? I think he gave thanks in the midst of hard circumstances. Psalm 9-1, David says, I give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. You always have to remember, David was a worshiper long before he was a warrior. And if you read in the Psalms, you will find that David gave thanks in the hardest of situations and circumstances. And so in this moment, his men have stones in his hands. He can smell the smoke of his house burnt to the ground. His wives and his kids are gone. I think he quiets everything down. He takes a moment, closes his eyes, and he gives thanks to the Lord. And as he just gives thanks for who God is, all of a sudden he started to remind himself who God is and what God has done in his life. And it's his gratitude that strengthens himself in the Lord. You see, gratitude doesn't change my circumstances. Gratitude changes me. David's gratitude didn't change the reality of the situation, but it changed something in him. I mean, you can picture it, right? His eyes closed, just play it out. Lord, thank you that together we killed the bear. Lord, thank you that together we killed the lion. 
But Lord, thank you that, that together we killed Goliath. God, I was, I was a boy, and together we killed Goliath. God, thank you that you've kept me safe from Saul all these years. God, thank you that you've promoted me and chosen me to be the anointed king of Israel. God, thank you that you've always provided for me and met all my needs. And even though it's been hard, you've never left me nor forsake me. And you can see this faith rising up in him as he gives thanks because it's God's faithfulness yesterday that gives you the faith you need for today. Gratitude builds your faith. If you thank him for what he has done, you'll start to have faith for what he wants to do. In fact, Psalm 136.1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. In other words, when you give thanks, you're starting to believe that he is good and his perfect love will cast out your fear. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. When we give thanks, you start to believe that he is good, and his perfect love comes and casts out your fear. Listen, I'll give you a real practical example from my life. One of the battles I have to fight every single week is the sermon, okay? It's like one of the greatest battles in my life. People say that most people have more fear of public speaking than they do of death. So I have to fight the greatest fear that mankind has every single week, okay? So you can pray for me for that. Uh, or we'll give you a turn up here and see how that goes. <laughs> every week, I got to fight this battle. And to be honest with you, there's a lot of weeks when it starts going by and the stress and the pressure and the anxiety starts building up because I know, man, Sunday comes around really quick every week. And when it's like the middle of the week and the message isn't coming together and the pieces of the puzzle aren't fitting and I can't find a verse and I feel like I'm not getting revelation, this stress and this anxiety starts to build up on me and I start getting freaked out. And, and the more I look at my sermon and the more I look at the notes, the more I weaken myself because I'm weakening myself in the circumstances. I'm looking at a blank piece of paper or a piece of paper that doesn't have anything good written on it. And the more I look at it, the more I start to get stressed and anxious. And so I've had to learn to teach myself that in those moments, I need to just stop everything and start giving thanks to the Lord. In fact, right next to my chair where I, I spend most of the time prepping my messages, there's a whole file folder of all the old sermons I've ever, I've ever had. And sometimes I'll just sit there and I'll look at it and I'll just start giving thanks. God, thank you. Thank you for, for this example of your faithfulness yesterday that you've provided, that you gave us that series and that message and that revelation, and you came through here, and God, you love these people way more than I love them, and so you're going to give me something to say, and, and I know there's great revelation and manna from heaven that you're going to release over this place, and as I start giving him thanks for what he's done, all of a sudden this peace and this strength starts to come over me, because Hebrews 13, 8 says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he was faithful yesterday, why would I doubt that he's going to be faithful today? Gratitude strengthens yourself in the Lord. And the truth of the matter is, is it's impossible to be grateful running 100 miles an hour. It's impossible to be grateful running 100 miles an hour. We live way too fast lives to really be grateful people, if we're just honest. Let me go ahead and say it. Surprise, right? We live way too fast to be grateful people. Because when you're running 100 miles an hour, you're never grateful for where you've been. All you're focused on is where you're going. In fact, I think we engage God like a fast food restaurant. We pull up to the drive-thru, we take whatever he's given us, and we run down the road because we got somewhere to go, something to do, somewhere to be, and we're never thankful for what he has already done. And so we have this small faith because we're not looking back on how he has already provided and moved in our lives. And you know it's true. I mean, think about the guy that's got to close a business deal, right? 
a man, a businessman, all week, what's he doing? He's stressing about the business deal. Wherever he is, that's what he's thinking about. Stress, anxiety, pressure, got to close this deal, got to make it happen. Oh, man, the week's going by, the pressure's mounting. And what starts happening as the pressure mounts? He starts throwing up those prayers like, God, please, I need your help. Close the deal for me. God, I really need you to come through on this one. We got to get this deal closed. And what does God do? Because God is good, he helps you close the deal. And you get the deal and you go to bed that night and you wake up the next morning and you don't take any time to give thanks to the Lord. And so what happens? You're already stressed about the next deal. And five minutes into the next day, I already stress and anxious and, and, and pressure and all that's building up. Or how about the person that has jobs and tasks or you want something in your life to change. And so you're stressing out, oh man, it just keeps the pressure mounts and pressure mounts. Lord, please help me. He helps you. You go to bed that night. You wake up the next morning. You don't think twice about it. You don't say thank you. And what happens? You start stressing out about the next thing. How about the stay-at-home mom that's like, I can't get through one more day with these kids. I don't know if I'm going to make it to the end of the day. Lord, you need to help me or I'm going to kill somebody here by the end of the day. I'm just saying it's going to happen. And what does God do? He comes through and he helps you get to the end of the day. You wake up the next morning. You don't take any time to give thanks. And all of a sudden you start getting stressed and anxious and pressurized for that day. We live way too fast lives to be grateful people. And it is impossible to have a big faith without the spirit of gratitude. It's impossible. Because you never look back to thank him for what he already has done. So you're always going to be stressed out and anxious about what has yet to come. I mean, are you creating space in your life to just give thanks to God for what he has done? A grateful heart will always live a peaceful life. In fact, think about it like this. Gratitude is like the reset button of life. Okay? It's like the reset button of life. When everything's crazy and out of sorts, gratitude is the button you can press that brings everything back into alignment. It's like your computer when it goes crazy and nothing's working and you got the pinwheel of death or the, you know, the, the thinking thing that's happening. I don't know how you respond. I just go, bloop, bloop, reset, right? Because I got no idea how to fix the thing, so I'm just going to reset it and brings everything back into alignment. That's what gratitude does. No matter how crazy your life is, when you give thanks, it brings everything back into alignment. Like, that's why we worship every week. One of the reasons. We're not just singing songs. We're not just killing time. And if you don't like the song and you don't want to sing, then just give thanks. I mean, this morning, I don't think I sang one whole song because I was just giving thanks to God. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your character. Thank you for your love. I mean, just give him thanks. What does it do? It brings you back into alignment and presses reset on the day, on the week, on the month, on the year. You strengthen yourself in the Lord. Listen to me. A worshiper cannot be a warrior. A worshiper cannot be a warrior. Why? Because worship will always displace worry. You can be a worshiper or you can be a warrior, but you can't be both. Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be given to you. In other words, give him thanks, seek him, worship him. And all of a sudden you have this peace like, man, everything else will be taken care of. In fact, when you're giving thanks, it's not that God becomes bigger. It's that God becomes bigger to you. And he starts looking bigger than your circumstances. And catch this. If you become a worshiper, you no longer have to be a warrior. If you'll become a worshiper, you no longer have to be a warrior. Why? Because John 16, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. In other words, Jesus says, I've already won the victory out there. You start worshiping me, you don't have to be a warrior anymore. You just step back and you're like, oh my goodness, the battle belongs to the Lord. Lord, you're going to take care of this. 
Exodus 15, 3, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. God's got this one, and you step back, and you just worship. Why? Because you just won the battle in here, so now you're walking in victory out there. Become a worshiper. You don't have to be a warrior in this life. Some of you are here. That's all you do is war and battle. You war and battle everyone and everything around you all the time. God's saying, you can stop fighting. You can put the sword down. You can stop being worried about, is your armor okay? Just start worshiping because the battle belongs to me. Listen, Psalm 16, 5 and 6 says, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places for me. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Okay, do you know what that means? That means in Jesus, you have a great life. That's what that means. In Jesus, you have a great life. The boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places for you, and yet we don't believe that, do we? Why? Because we're too busy peeking over the fence to see what's going on in our neighbor's field, right? What's he got over there? That's a nice car, you know? Or we're trying to expand our fence or rearrange what's inside. The boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places for you. That means within your boundary lines, the life you have right now, Ephesians 1, 3 is true. You have been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In your boundary lines right now, that's where the abundant life resides. It's not in your neighbor's field or in changing your boundary. It's right what you got. In your boundary lines, it is finished. You don't have to work or earn or approve or strive anymore with God. In the boundary lines, there's where the freedom of the Lord is. In the boundary lines, you are a co-heir with Christ. What does Christ have? Come on, what does Christ have? Everything. And if you're a co-heir with him, it means you have everything in your boundary lines. Everything. And I know some of you, you're looking at me right now, and you're like, then why do I smell manure in my field? It's just called fertilizer. <laughs> Listen, God loves you. He wants it to flourish, so he'll put a little fertilizer on the ground every now and then to make things grow. Or you're thinking, man, why do I got that rain cloud rolling in? Because every field needs water. So God's going to water your field so it will grow and flourish. That's why James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kind. Because God's spreading fertilizer on your field that you will grow and flourish and become everything he's called you to be. Listen, some of you need to hear this right now. In your boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places for you. If you're thinking about giving up on your marriage, the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places for you. If you're thinking about giving up on your kid, the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places for you. If you're stressed out and you think you need a different job or different circumstances, God says the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places for you as they lie right now. And so you have a choice to make. Am I going to give more authority to what God has said or to how I feel? What has more authority in your life? What he has said or how you feel? And while our feelings are real, our feelings often don't accurately depict the truth. Some of you are hurting today, and, and your feelings are real. I'm not questioning your feelings in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying sometimes I know my feelings don't accurately depict the truth. This is where faith comes into play. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is being sure of what I hope for, certain of what I do not see. In those moments, that's where you just start giving thanks. And, and you say, God, I, I can't see it, but I'm going to choose to give thanks anyways. 
God, God, I'm not really sure what's happening here, but I'm going to give you thanks. I'm going to give you thanks for what I do see and the good things that are there. I'm going to give you thanks for who you are and how you're moving in my life. I'm going to start giving thanks for what you're going to do in advance before he even does it. Start changing your prayers for, God, I need you to meet my needs. How about, God, thank you that you are going to meet my needs. How about instead of, God, I need you to rescue my marriage. God, thank you that you are going to rescue my marriage. And I'm going to thank you in advance before you've even moved on my behalf and my family's behalf. Start thanking him for what he's going to do. When you start getting grateful for what is, you'll no longer be consumed with what isn't. Every person who is consumed with what is not currently in their life, it's because they're not grateful for what is currently in their life. Boundary lines that have fallen in pleasant places. In fact, let me ask you to you like this, like, when in life are you the strongest? When in life do you, do you feel or, or are you, do you think you're the strongest? Here, here's what I think we would say. I think we would say we're the strongest when we're in control, when life is perfect, when we're achieving and performing and self-made and totally independent. We don't need anyone or anything else. Okay, do you understand? That's when you're the weakest in life. You are the strongest in this life when you're overflowing with gratitude. It's when you're the absolute strongest in this life is when you're overflowing with gratitude. Satan cannot defeat a grateful person. In fact, have you ever met a defeated grateful person? Have you? Because I want to meet them. Seriously, I've never met one. I've been thinking about this all week. I've never met a defeated grateful person. Why? Because when you're grateful, you can't be defeated. No circumstance can come into your life to defeat you because you're already grateful. You know that he is good and his love endures forever. So you rise above everything. You see, the reason you're the strongest when you're overflowing with gratitude is because gratitude is the natural response of the heart that's receiving from Jesus. It's the heart that's receiving his grace and his mercy, his love, his forgiveness, his Holy Spirit, his provision. Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. In other words, Paul says, it's in my weakness I'm ready to receive his strength. It's in my sin I receive his righteousness. It's in my failure I receive his victory. It's in my desperation I receive his hope. In fact, Romans 5.17 says it like this. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ? How much more will those who receive Reign in this life. You want to know when you're the strongest? It's when you're ruling and reigning with Jesus. And when does that happen? When we receive his abundant provision of grace and gift of righteousness. And what's the natural response? To be overflowing with gratitude. And let me try to illustrate it for you like this. Let's say you owe $100 million of debt. Okay? Can we all agree that's a bad day? That would be like David's bad day here in 1 Samuel 30. Okay, it's a bad day. It doesn't matter how you got it. You owe $100 million of debt. And it's starting to cave in on you. People are coming to collect. They're trying to do all kinds of things to you. I mean, it's just life is falling apart. And so one day, service is over. You're leaving. You're walking through the parking lot. And a man in the parking lot walks up to you, and he hands you a folded piece of paper. And you reach out, and you take it, and you open it up. And it's a check for $1 billion. Okay? That's a really good day. How are you going to respond? You're going to freak out. 
You can just start jumping around like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, how did you know? How, how did you know about this? And thank you so much, and you have no idea this is going to pay off my debt, and I'll be able to bless all these people. It's going to change my whole family and the trajectory of my life, and you're going to hug the guy and kiss him. You don't even know him, but you don't care. You're going to hug him and you're kissing him. You're not going to care what anybody else thinks walking around you in a parking lot. You're just going to be jumping up and down. Oh my, God, oh my goodness, overflowing with gratitude. And if you get in the car and you drive home and you get a flat tire and it's raining outside, you're still jumping around in the rain with a flat tire because you just got something you could have never got yourself. Now, let's say you're that same person. You owe $100 million of debt. You're walking through the parking lot. Same man walks up to you, tries to hand you a folded piece of paper, and you look at him and you say, no thanks. Say, I'm good. Me and my family, we we got this figured out. We're working on a payment plan. It's going to take me 8,500 lifetimes, but... But I'm well on my way to getting to my goal for this lifetime. And so, so, so we're good. We're self-made. We're dependent upon no one or nothing. We will figure this out and we will make it happen. And you walk away. Okay, first of all, let's just say you're dumb. <laughs> just put that out there so we all agree on that one. Is there any way you can create a sense of gratitude in your heart towards that person? No. Why? Because you never received anything. And it's impossible to be grateful if you haven't received anything in the first place. So there's no, you can't manipulate your heart enough to be grateful because you didn't receive anything. Now, let's say there's a third person. You owe $100 million in debt. You're walking through the parking lot. Man walks up to you with a whole uh, folded piece of paper, reaches out, he gives it to you. You take it and you say, thank you, and you stick it right in your pocket. You never open it up. So you don't know what it says. You just say thank you and you you put it in your pocket. And because you have no idea what's on it, you'll say the words thank you, but you're certainly not living with a heart of gratitude. See, there's a huge difference between saying thank you and being grateful. Matthew 15, 8, Jesus says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In other words, these people have received something from me, but they have no idea what it is that I've given them. It's like a folded up piece of paper in their pocket. They have no idea what they really have. So they say, thank you, but there's no gratitude bubbling up and overflowing out of their heart. And I tell you this story to illustrate this to you because here's the reality is gratitude is the natural response that receives from the heart that receives from Jesus. Gratitude is the indicator in your life to tell you if you're fully and freely receiving everything Jesus has given you. And I'm telling you what he's offering you is better than a check for a billion dollars. Some of you are like, I'll take the billion. Okay, come on. Jesus is offering you salvation and eternity and abundance and freedom and destiny and purpose and kindness and a co-heir and co-ruler, co-labor. I mean, the Holy Spirit of the living God, power in his presence. I mean, what he's offering you is so much better than a billion dollars. And gratitude is the determiner, the indicator in your heart to let you know whether or not you've opened up that check and actually received it. He who has been forgiven much loves much. Can't help but respond that way. Freely you have received, freely give. You can't give thanks if you haven't first freely received. Gratitude is acknowledging your dependence on him. It's saying he did something for you you could never do for yourself. And while that may be considered weakness in the kingdom of this world, that is the pinnacle of strength in the kingdom of God. And so my question for you is, is what does your gratitude level today tell you about how you're receiving from Jesus? Because they're totally related. 
Gratitude is the natural response of a heart that receives from Jesus, which means the reverse is true. Grumbling is the natural response of a heart that resists Jesus. And so any and every place that you're grumbling in your life right now, you're resisting Jesus. You're grumbling about your marriage, you're resisting him in that area. You're grumbling about a circumstance, you're resisting him in that area. You're grumbling about finances, you're resisting him in that area. You're grumbling about a situation with a group of people, you're, you're, you're resisting him in that area. And here's something that I want you to catch, is if you ever get annoyed by someone else's worship, what you need to remember is they just realized they got a billion dollar check, so they're going to be jumping around all day long. So just understand that you're walking through the parking lot and they don't really care because they just figured out <laughs> what, what they got. And if you ever reverse it, ever wonder why somebody isn't worshiping, it's because they either didn't take it or they've never opened it up. It's in their pocket, but they have no idea what they have. Listen, gratitude is the pathway to strength. Can I real quickly just link three verses together for you to pull this all together? This is quick. I think this is helpful, okay? Gratitude is the pathway to strength. Let me pull this whole thing together. Psalm 100, verse 4, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. In, under, in other words, gratitude is the key to entering the presence of God. Gratitude is the thing that draws us into the presence of God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Gratitude is about our awareness of him, not his acceptance of us, okay? Giving thanks doesn't mean all of a sudden God says, now he'll accept you. Giving thanks means you're now aware of him. It's like a kid at Christmas, right? They can be in the room running around playing and not paying any attention to you, but the moment you give them a present and they open it up, the gratitude causes them to jump into your lap, to hug you, to kiss you. Grandparents know this really, really well, right? Why? Because gratitude will always cause the receiver to seek the giver. Think of the 10 lepers in Luke 17, right? It says they, I love the language, it says they stood afar off from Jesus and cried out, Master, have pity on us. And I think a lot of us, we stand far away from Jesus. And we say, Jesus, please change our circumstances. Please, I just, we don't need any, just change our circumstances and we'll be good. And what does Jesus do? Because he knows kindness leads us to repentance, he says, okay, go show yourselves to the priest. He says, as they went, they were healed. And when they were healed, nine of them went back to their lives, and only one, when he realized he was healed, turned around, ran, got on his knees, grabbed Jesus, and thanked him, it says. Jesus says, rise and go, your faith has made you well. In other words, it was gratitude that brought him into the presence of God. Nine men saw Jesus from afar. The only one who got into the presence was the one who gave thanks. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. So gratitude will bring you into the presence of God, okay? That's Psalm 100, verse 4. Psalm 16, verse 11, just link these with me, says, in his presence is fullness of joy. Psalm 100, verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving, okay? Gratitude brings us into the presence. Psalm 16, 11, in his presence is fullness of joy. In other words, when we're aware of his presence, we're overcome with joy. It's where you know you're fully known, fully loved with no fear of rejection. It's where you discover who he is and find out who you now are. It's where you believe you're forgiven and loved and wanted and accepted, which some of you, this is the only place in your life where you ever feel that, when you get into his presence. 
It's where heaven comes to earth. It's where everything is made right. It's like Mary after Jesus' death and, and crucifixion, right? She's devastated. It's the worst day of her life. She's standing in the garden, crying, sobbing, and all of a sudden the resurrected Jesus appears to her and she cries out, Rabboni. In other words, the presence of God overcame her with the fullness of joy. And his presence is fullness of joy. And one more, Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. When we're in his presence and we're overcome with joy, that joy becomes our strength where all of a sudden we're like, man, God is with me. You can say or do whatever you want. God is with me. And he's not just with me, he's for me. The battle belongs to him. He's my mighty strong tower. He's my fortress and my refuge. This confidence rises up inside of you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, gratitude is the pathway to strength. Back it up. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. You want to strengthen yourself in the Lord? Okay. That says you need joy. Well, where do I get joy? Psalm 16.11, in his presence is fullness of joy. Not just a little joy, fullness of joy. Okay, good. Presence. Then where do I get his presence? Psalm 100 verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Gratitude is the on-ramp to a lifestyle and, and the pathway of, of strength. Gratitude opens the door for what's already yours in the first place. An ungrateful heart will always live a defeated life. You will never be strong until you can first learn to be grateful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We think God's will is who we should marry, what job we should take, what house we should live in, what city we should move to. Yes, but it's a lot simpler than that, it's just to give thanks in all circumstances. Why? It's not because he needs it. It's because his motive is love and he wants you to be free. And he knows gratitude is the pathway to strengthening yourself in him. What if every time life starts to fall apart, you, like David, stopped to give thanks? I'll acknowledge right now, it's like the hardest thing to do. Like, I, I don't want to do it most of the time. I want to complain about my circumstances. I want to grumble. Do you understand that the spirit of grumbling can only be displaced by the spirit of gratitude? It's not a spirit that you can bind, rebuke, or cast out. It's a posture of the heart that has to be displaced by gratitude. And so what if when life's falling apart, you stopped and you just started to give thanks? And you just started to say, God, thank you that you're going to meet all my needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. God, thank you that I can be confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God, thank you that you will never leave me nor forsake me. You'll be amazed at how fast you start to strengthen yourself in the Lord by just giving thanks. And so here's what we're going to do together today. We're going to apply our message right now and strengthen ourselves and take communion together. Okay. So our ushers are going to come forward to start passing out the elements. And here's what I'd ask. Just put your stuff on the ground for a moment. Just be still for a few more minutes. Because if you engage with God right now, you're going to walk out of here strong in the Lord. As the elements come by, this is for anyone and everyone who has put their faith in Jesus. And maybe today's your day for that, where you reach out to grab a hold of his forgiveness and his love for you. But here's what I want you to do as, as the elements come to you. I just want to invite you to give him thanks. 
Where do you need to just give thanks right now? Sometimes it's the hardest thing to do, to slow down and just have a posture of gratitude. And here's how I would challenge you is don't just honor him with your lips. Let your heart be close to him. Thank you, Lord, for my marriage. Thank you, Lord, for my friends. Thank you, God, for my health. Thank you, God, for your provision. Thank you, Lord, that I'm alive and here today, that just as we sang, I can be alive and free in you. Thank you, Lord, for forgiveness and redemption, for mercy and kindness, for faithfulness. Thank you that you are my strong tower, that you are my mighty warrior that you have not left me nor forsaken me. Thank you, Lord, that the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places for me right now as they lie. Can you just give him thanks? Tune out those circumstances and tune in to his goodness. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, may we encounter you. Where have you been grumbling, complaining, criticizing, whining? That's an area, just repent to the Lord. Say, Lord, I repent that I've been grumbling in these areas, negative, complaining, whatever it may be. I've been weakening myself in the circumstances. I repent. I choose to change my mind and change my life and the way I'm going, and I look to you and I give you thanks because you are good and your love endures forever. And as you're giving him thanks right now, you're getting on the, the pathway, the highway of strength because it's gratitude that leads you to presence, presence that releases joy, and joy that empowers strength. You see, if you even think of Jesus at the Last Supper, he was sitting there and it said, when he had given thanks, he broke the bread, said, this is my body, and passed it out to his disciples. I don't know about you, but if I was Jesus and I was about to go to the cross, I think I would have looked at the 12 disciples and I would have said, guys, it's time for you to give me thanks for what I'm about to do. You have no idea where I'm going or what's about to happen, so give me thanks that I'll be strong. No, that would have just weakened Jesus. Instead, he gave thanks. And he looked Judas in the eyes and he broke bread, which was going to represent the tearing of his body, he poured out the cup, which was going to represent the pouring out of his blood for the forgiveness of your sins. And it was all because he gave thanks that made him aware of the presence of the Father. The presence of the Father filled him with joy, and that joy strengthened him to be strong in the Lord and walk forward with God.
and victory in this life. On the night the Lord Jesus was betrayed after he had given thanks, he took the bread and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After you have given thanks to him, let's receive his wholeness together. And in the same way, after the supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood, which is going to be poured out for you. Says, I'm going to be poured out so that you can be poured into. In other words, it's in your weakness you will receive my strength. Can you receive the strength of the Lord together in this moment? So, Lord Jesus, right now in this place, we choose to strengthen ourselves in you. We give you thanks. Do you feel strong? Do you feel strengthened? Did you press reset and get your eyes off the circumstances and get your eyes on his goodness? Because he's here and he's in this place. So, Lord, we thank you and we worship you and we give you gratitude from our hearts because you have given us a check that's worth more than $1 billion. You've changed it all, Lord.